been, by the power and the grace of God, able to open up a subject that if you listened very carefully last week, you would understand that this subject is one that is affecting the entire world. That there is not a civilization or a culture or a group of people anywhere in the world that this subject is not affecting. That is a subject of pedophilia. And we've gone into great details to define it and to understand what it means in terms of definition for one to be a pedophile, having sexual feelings towards children, and what a person will do in order to reach or satisfy those longings, those sexual desires, has taken many persons to the absolute depth of depravity to go deeper and further into ways of controlling, manipulating, capturing, and we saw last week even killing small children for the purpose of reaching that gratification. By the grace of God, we'll press on today from where we left off. We had named a number of groups, a number of persons. As we said last week, the spectrum is very wide, very broad. There are people involved in what we ultimately found to be SRA, which is satanic ritual abuse, and the abuse of children in general, in the highest echelons of society. But the few names in terms of groups that we put up on the screen last week is about the tip of the iceberg. There are so many persons involved in the exploitation of children, in the exploitation of humans in general. That includes white slavery. And when we say white slavery, we're not talking about Caucasian. White slavery is slavery for the purposes of sex. Many European women have been disappeared into white slavery, never seen again. Young girls also, this is where the pedophilic tie is, Young girls also sold into white slavery, never seen again. We talked about the Ninth Circle and the Twelve Mile Club. I hope that some of you did some research and looked up these things during the week. I hope that there were some listeners online who actually went and, and did some research. You see, we're not making this up. The legal cases, the court cases, as I was doing further research this week, many court cases have been brought and many have been thrown out. Many corrupt judges and legislatures looking at the evidence have suppressed in many cases when someone has come forward and testified as a victim, when someone has come forward and testified as a law enforcement officer to what they have seen, or a child protective services officer as to what they have witnessed, their testimonies were squashed, Persons have been disappeared. Persons have been murdered to cover up. And we're going to come to a startling truth today. I can guarantee you that now. Because what God has showed me about this subject and what it is we ought to do as the body of Christ is absolutely unstoppable. So where man has done so many things to try to blow the whistle, to try to announce, to try to expose what's going on with the capturing, torturing, 
slaughtering of small children, the church has the power to effect. So we begin today from the topic within the topic of saving the seed. The term seed is used in the Bible to describe and to talk about children. Whenever the Bible talks about seed, generally it's talking about your progenitory, your children. The Bible also talks about seed in terms of planting. In other words, the word of God being the seed planted that brings up the harvest. But in its more general term in scripture, seed or seeds are referring to your offspring. So saving the seed is where we are today. We look at the horrors. And again, I could have spent two weeks just talking about the horrors of pedophilia and the manifestations that go on around child sacrifice. But you will become ground down to the point of almost numbness if you just stay in the problem. Now this is a lesson for life, so you should listen. You must, in order to deal with the problem, acknowledge that there is a problem. You must then define what the problem is. And from the definition, begin to work on a solution. So today we move into the solution phase. We've discussed the problem. We all know what the problem is. We've discussed how deep the problem goes. It goes down to the roots of governments, kings and queens, priests, presidents, politicians, lords sitting in parliament, all the way down to white, every root of every government has a percentage of pedophiles and pedophilic activity in it. And there's no one in this room or any other that can deny that because the evidence speaks for itself. So we know what the problem is. Where do we go from here, Lord Jesus, as your church? Exodus 20, 13 says something very simple yet very profound. God says as part of his commandments, thou shalt not kill. That is the simplest and the most basic of commandments. You would think a rocket scientist would spend a week trying to work out what that means. No, it means what it says. Thou shalt not kill. I heard somebody in the back saying, well, in the Bible, God told people to go and kill. So let's give an understanding to the text. When God told Israel to persecute its enemies, to wipe out and to slay, we understand that those nations were nations who were against God. We also understand in other places that there was a mingling of the seed of man the seed of angels, so that we had Nephilim in the earth in those days. And many of those tribes that were wiped out were actually genetically impure, made up of seeds that should not have been. So God was justified in wiping those out. He was also justified in persecuting wars against those who rose and rise against him. It's called sovereignty. 
And God, the righteous judge, has the sovereign right to pronounce what the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. And those committing sin, when they come under the judgment of God, their lives end in death. Do you understand? So the righteous judge giving the pronunciation, the edict to go and slay and to kill in the name of his righteous kingdom is not contradicting this command. This command is regarding the wholesale, indiscriminate, and selfish slaughter of human beings. Thou shalt not kill an innocent child having done no wrong, no sin to you. Thou shalt not kill your wife sitting at the table making your breakfast, being loving to you, thou shalt not kill. Your husband trying to be a husband, working every day, thou shalt not kill. Your brother, because his offering was received from God and yours was not, thou shalt not kill, Cain. Thou shalt not kill, Abel. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not kill, is from the heart of God towards his creation. God is never intended for man to slaughter man. For inhumanity of man against his brother, his sister, his fellow created being. God says, thou shalt not kill. There is no level of justification. Those who want genocide, those who want to reduce the population, population control. Those who want to send viruses into tightly compact communities to wipe out individuals until the number reaches 500 million or 500,000. Those persons are in the wrong. Creating biological weapons to be race-specific so that when you release the weapon, it only kills those that has been triggered and programmed to kill, leaving the other population but attacking only certain genetic markers. Thou shalt not kill. Do you understand? The heart of God is not for murder. It's not for killing. It's not for it's for slaughter. It's not for pillage. It's not for genocide. It's not for Hutus attacking. It's not, it is not for that. It is not for Germans gassing. It is not every atrocity on the earth. Kimmer Rouge. It's not for that. Pol Pot. It's not for that. Do you understand? Stalin, it's not for starving your own. It is not, God says, thou shalt not kill. I'm going through history and I'm naming names and places. You should understand the references. God says, thou shalt not kill. And the same Bible tells us that the thief comes not except for to steal, kill, and destroy. The very thing God says, thou shalt not do, the devil is for it. Mm -hmm. So when he comes, he kills. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4. This is where we begin our assault. 
against pedophilia. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Mm. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mm. You need to hold that scripture in your consciousness. You need to have it in your references. You need to have it on your mind. You need to memorize. You need to keep it on your tongue. Because what we are dealing with here, the enemies behind what you see are not human beings. Mm. Though they are exercising their activity through human beings, those that we are warring against are not people. Mm. I am not looking to sign a petition to go out and chase down pedophiles in the streets and beat them or stone them. No. I am not signing a petition to go stand in front of someone's house and throw eggs. No. <laughs> I am talking to the body of Christ. Now, if I were in a political movement, and there are some, and you were a political advocate, you could take several roads of protest to raise the alarm, to try to get the, quote, government to react to your petition. I'm not standing there. I'm standing in the house of God declaring to the people of God around the world that our weapons are not carnal. So what are those weapons that we should be using? The weapons of prayer, the weapons of faith, the weapon of believing in God, the weapon of standing on our faith and proclaiming God's word in the face of the devil and binding, as we said in the prayer this morning, everything that's bound in heaven, binding it on the earth. What does that mean? That means arresting it. Every illegal activity and every illegal actor. Who are they? They are spiritual forces, as we will read in a moment. And through God, the spiritual power of God is released. Through the saints of God, who know their God. I'll say that again. And through God, the spiritual power of God is released through the saints of God who know their God. And this action pulls down the strongholds. What is a stronghold? It is a hold that is strong. It is a fortress. It is a fortified wall. It's a built-up place. Exactly what we're dealing with. Pedophilia is a fortified place. It is a fortified wall. It's been built upon the blood of millions of children and people around the world. It's been built and it is strong. It is deep in sacrifice. And people are holding fast behind that wall. And our job is to assault it in the name of Jesus and to tear it down. Amen. Not to leave a place for them to hide behind. And how do you do that? By assaulting the power behind the power. The reason why so many efforts have failed is because the fight was going in the wrong direction. People were trying to use carnal weapons on spiritual foes. It will never work. It will never get through. We're going to cover this ground. Mm -hmm. The demons and the wicked. Look at this. What a revelation. 
only fear our prayers. They don't fear law. They don't fear legislation. They don't fear government. They don't fear, fear acts of parliament. They don't fear especially investigations. Oh, we're going to launch a hearing. They don't care about your hearings. No. They don't care about your investigations. They don't care about you. We're going to look into it and, and see what they could. La they laugh in the face of such efforts. Mm -hmm. And I'm not putting down the people who are trying. I see human beings who are carnal, who are social, trying their best to do something with what they've got. So I don't blame them for trying to sign petitions and trying to raise the alarm. And they're, go they're doing everything they can do. Mm. But they are disadvantaged. Why? Because you are dealing with demons. Mm. You're dealing with devils mm. who are controlling these people. Mm. A person who is raping a little boy, raping a little girl, is filled with the devil. Yes, I said it, and I'll say it again. Those who are raping little children are filled with demons of lust and perversion. And those who are decapitating and murdering them are filled with demons of murder and lust. Yes. So we are going to attack the power behind the power. Amen. The names of all the pedophiles you may never see. No. You may never get a record of in this very town. Where are they? You don't know. Mm -hmm. Sitting here, you can't see them. They can be standing next to you at the grocery. Mm -hmm. Standing in front of you at the movie theater. Mm -hmm. Walking behind you down the corner. You wouldn't know. They're not wearing a sign on their forehead. Mm -hmm. Now the Holy Spirit may tell you. Mm -hmm. Your spirit may be sensitive enough to react. Mm -hmm. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. For we, here we are again. That's that same we that you read in 2 Corinthians. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Are you understanding? Against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the government. That's the international level. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Here comes the weapons now. Mm. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Where is the evil day? Anytime evil manifests is the evil day. Amen. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth. That's one of your weapons, beloved. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. That's one of your weapons, beloved. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel is one of your weapons, beloved. Mm. Above all, taking the shield of faith. As we said, that's one of your weapons. Mm. Wherefore, ye shall be able to quench. Wherewith you shall be able to quench. Let me read it again. Wherewith. With what? Where is wherewith? Where is with the things you just named? Where, with, those items we just named. Mm -hmm. Including our... The breastplate of righteousness. Mm -hmm. The loins girded about with the truth. The shield of faith. Your feet with the gospel shod. With these things, with these things, you'll be able to quench all. How many? All. Not some, not part, not a few. You see how they fail and you will not? 
all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit. Salvation and the Word of God, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Led by the Spirit under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's not just talking about speaking in tongues. That's talking about praying under the control of the Holy Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance. Another weapon. And supplication, another weapon, for all saints. That is what they are afraid of. They're not afraid of your countenance. They're not afraid of your petition. They're not, a, they're not afraid of, of your political statement. What we have just read in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, and what we've just read in Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 12, the weapons of our warfare, that is what the demons fear. And when the church, or I should say as the church, because I don't want anybody writing me saying you, you're bashing the church. No, as the church uses these weapons, let me, let me put it this way. If you were on a military destroyer in the ocean, and your radar guidance system locked in on a target, you would need to swing your gun batteries in direction of the target. And someone would say, fire, after the readiness protocols have been gone. Someone would finally say, fire, after you have loaded, locked and loaded, radar locked, on target, someone would give the command, fire, the last thing you would be told to do. If our guidance systems are swung around by the Holy Spirit and locked on pedophilia. And the Holy Spirit says, fire! That means every praying saint, let go! Release your prayer. Release your faith. Direct it at this enemy. And it will fall. It will fall. God has given us the key to the victory. Yes. To stopping 8 million children a year worldwide from perishing. Amen. Body of Christ, turn your weapon system on the devil in this area. Yes. Target your prayers. I am so fed up with hearing people making great claims about how much faith they have. Speaking it into existence. Naming it and claiming it. But all they're talking about is getting a car or a stupid jet. Lord Jesus, help me. Why don't you take that power that you're boasting about and turn it against what is destroying these babies, killing these children. Take that weapon of warfare out of your mouth and direct it at the enemy. That's what they're afraid of. And when we begin to pray with all faith, knowing that our God hears us and that we are standing in the gap for millions of children, he will answer from heaven and deliver. Amen. It doesn't have to take 400 years. The children of Israel were in bondage 400 years crying out in Egypt. And then the ear of God bent down, metaphorically bent down and listened to their cries and he sent a deliverer. 
to deliver them out of bondage, to bring them out. Then they went back in the other direction. A lot of them lost their lives in the wilderness, 40 years wandering around. After the same God you had heard, you stopped hearing after a while. We can afford to now start this battle and then stop. Calling all praying saints in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come and pray with us. Mm. What does it say in Psalms 82, 3 through 4? Mm. It tells you clearly. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Help us, Holy Spirit. Yes. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Mm. That's what it says. In your Bible and my Bible. It doesn't say stand on the sideline and watch. It doesn't say watch another television program. It doesn't say go get registered for another concert and another conference to sit around and be fat and lazy. Amen. Do justice to the afflicted. You know who they are. You know where they are. Mm. We know that there are children right now in caves, in chains, in dungeons. In caves being held for the purposes of slaughter. We know that there are young women who've been raped, molested, and placed as breeders. Mm. Held to only have children that the covens can sacrifice. Mm. The Bible is telling you, do justice to the afflicted. Do you not understand God is watching and he is seeing your heart that you have zero compassion for the poor, for the needy. And all you are doing is trying to get unto yourself. And you don't even want to hear a message like this. Because it reminds you of your obligation that this world is temporary. And heaven is forever. And hell is forever. Come stand with us. Come fight with us against an enemy yes. that's destroying lives. Turn your weapon systems mm. on the devil in this area. And let's destroy this scourge on the face of the earth. I'm not talking about one country. I'm not talking about one hemisphere. Mm. I'm talking about the world. I'm talking about on the face of the planet, bringing war from heaven in the name of Jesus against these bloodthirsty fiends and saying enough Amen. is enough. Amen. You must stop right there. Yes. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. We've read this story so many times. It has application every time you read it. Then he said unto the disciples, it is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Mm. Are you reading your Bible, beloved? Mm. That is God talking. That is Jesus talking. Somebody is going to be stupid enough to follow the devil. But the end of that person is going to be so horrible. It would have been better than a rope with a huge stone attached to it. 
be put on their neck and they dropped in the sea. That's the loving, gentle Savior talking. That's the loving Lamb of God speaking. That's the peaceful baby lying in the manger, grown up talking. You keep killing these children. Your day is at hand. And the judgment of God is upon you. And I pronounce to you now in Jesus' name, if you do not cease from your abuse of these children and persons, the God of heaven will answer you and destruction will be for you now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So what are we to do as a church, as a body, as a people? We turn our attention in every direction. We face down the pedophile. We face down the abuser. We face down those who have gone about to destroy. But we do not forget the victims. We do not leave off the victims. We do not say we're just going to assault and attack the gates of hell. Some of us, as in every military struggle, there has to be a medical hospital. There has to be someone who's looking after the wounded. There has to be someone who's tending the casualties. These children, many of them are adults now. Many of them are grown up. Some have confessed and come out and have told about their stories. Others are still repressed still living with the scars, still living with the horrible dreams, still unable to function in society because of what happened to them, what was done to them. And as you know, many are dead. But for the survivors, there must be an arc of safety in the church. There are secular organizations around the world for abuse survivors. The church has its own responsibility to be there as an ark of safety, to be there as a safe place where people can come and know that they're going to be looked after and loved after. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Many persons have no rest. They have no rest in their heart. They have no rest in their mind. They have no rest in their social circles. They are at upset at all times. They are at an emotional crisis. They are reliving, as I said, the horrors of the past. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ promised rest. He can give and he will give restoration to anyone under the sound of my voice. If you will give God the opportunity, he will heal your hurting heart. No one understand. Those of you that have been abused, some are sitting with a husband who does not know as a girl you are abused. Some are sitting with a wife she does not know you were raped as a little boy. Some are sitting with their families, afraid to tell their parent what happened at school or at daycare. 
Some are trying to work it out on their own. Some are taking drugs. Some are taking alcohol. Some are acting out in the streets. And you say, oh, that person is crazy. You have no idea what they're fighting in their mind. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will heal your hurting, broken heart if you let him. But know this in the natural sense. Whatever happened to you was not your fault. I don't care what the abuser told you. That line up there says, no gaslighting. Gaslighting is when you abuse someone and then tell them that it didn't happen. Tell them that, oh, it's all in your mind. Oh, it's your imagination. Many abused victims have had to face their abusers in court or across a, a legal medium. And the person completely deny everything that they did. Many have gone to marriage counseling only to have their spouse deny every action that they committed. And tell them it's all in your head. That's gaslighting. We're not talking about gaslighting now. We're talking about the truth. The church should believe by the Holy Spirit, first of all, we should have discerning. And if someone is lying to you as a member of the body of Christ, you should pray to God to discern the truth of the matter. Then you should investigate it as far as you can. Now I'm talking about to those in the church now who have the duty and the responsibility of care, of either counseling or ministering to persons who have been abused. Let me say it this way. If you are qualified to do this, I am not talking about anyone running and grabbing someone and telling them, oh, I'm going to counsel you. No, I am not prescribing that. I've read the blogs around the world. I know about the horrors of people, some well-intended, some well-meaning, but not trained or qualified, trying to go and tell somebody what else to do. You should do this, and you should do that, and the person ends up being worse. But those who have been trained and prepared by God and by science to offer professional counseling, go to your stations, go to your jobs, go to your positions, and do this work being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, to those who have been victimized, it was not your fault. There's nothing that you did, no dress that you wore, no clothing, no smile. None of the excuses that an abuser would tell you is a reason why they... None of that. Every person who has been abused, they need both professional and spiritual counseling to fully recover. I'm an advocate for getting people the help that they need. I am not going to stand here anywhere on the face of the earth and tell people just go and do whatever you think is best. No! There are dedicated professionals who've given their lives to try and help restore and recover and see recovered persons who have been abused. Get the help that you need. If the people around you are not telling you this, we will give you references that you can take up. If you want to call the ministry, you can do that. Or write us. We will respond to you. We will show you in this very city 
and others around the world where you can get the help that you need. Understand that different persons will recover and react at different times. Just as no two persons are alike, two individuals can go through the same kind of trauma and one will come out in one way of mental health, spiritual health, physical health, and the other person will come out. Some people are broken, literally broken, to the point of not being able to even stand erect or meet your gaze eye to eye because their esteem has been so crumbled. In fact, that is one of the points of abuse. It is designed to break persons, to destroy persons, to take away your humanity, to bring you down to the degree of an animal, which is why they put them in chains and in caves and submit them to all kinds of horrible tortures. Break the human spirit. Break the human will to make them choose between pain and more pain, or more pain and a lot more pain, but it's still pain. Some who have been abused actually come out of the abuse loving their abusers. Why? As Dr. Mengele was called Lovely Joseph. Why? Because he would give them the opportunity to receive less torture or more torture. So he became the angel of death, able to deliver the death blow or to prolong it. This is what we're talking about. God will recover you. God will restore you. God will recreate you from the inside out. At the same time, your emotions and your mind need direct professional involvement to understand what you've gone through, what has happened to you, and the road ahead. Everyone who has been abused needs an intervention. Church, hear me well. Every person who has been abused needs an intervention. There is no one who is not worthy of an intervention. Do you understand what an intervention is? That's when someone, as the next verse tells us, comes and gets involved in your story. Comes and gets involved in what's happening with you. Luke 10, 34 says, And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. What is this story? You know the story. It's a Samaritan giving aid to the one who fell among the robbers. And they beat the man and left him by the road for dead. And the good Samaritan came along and saw him after two others, a priest and another religious Pharisee, did not come and give aid. The last person, the Samaritan, came and saw. This person needs an intervention. They're laying in the road. They're bloodied. They're incapable of standing. They can't help themselves. Do you recognize the picture? This is a victim of abuse. They're laying there. They cannot help. They've been attacked and assaulted. That's what God has called us to do as the body of Christ. That when you come into a case and God exposes you to a case, this person needs an intervention. Your role may be different along the way. You may be the person who spots the individual who needs the intervention. Then you may go and get somebody else to come and help. You may direct them towards a professional service or to the church. 
So even if you are not saying, well, I don't feel confident saying all those things to that person, it may not be your job to do that. But by the fact that God brought you into the exposure of that person's life, into the exposure of what's going on, you cannot back down from your responsibility. From today, you cannot not pray. At the baseline, at the bottom of your responsibility, prayer is on your plate, body of Christ. So this man, this Samaritan, he did what was necessary in the moment. The first thing I must do is stop the flow of blood. I must bind the wounds. I must minister first aid, oil and wine as a salve to cover the wounds, to, to dress the wounds, to protect them from further, further infection or injury. I can't leave him laying here. He could have just bound the wounds and said, well, I bound the wounds. I put the oil and wine in. He'll be all right. Let somebody else take over. He saw the level of his responsibility. By the power of the Holy Ghost, we're trying to get you to see your level of responsibility in this issue. I'm not asking you to go out and write a book or do a documentary or, or, or start a, a, a sale or... Let the Holy Spirit show you the level of your responsibility in this issue. But beloved, hear me well, you have one. There is no believer under the sound of my voice who has no responsibility in this issue. We all do. Amen. To what degree? You need to understand, as I said, prayer is the baseline. The weapons of your warfare, that is the baseline. Bringing that arsenal, turning your weapons upon the devil in this area day and night, daily praying for these persons and praying against those who would abuse these children. He put him on his own beast. He met his need at his own expense. So many selfish people will not pull one dime out of their pocket, will not pull one pound out of their pocket to help anybody. He met the need of the man at his own expense. Sometimes you have to sacrifice your comfort. Sometimes you have to sacrifice your time. Sometimes you have to sacrifice your energy. You have your family time, your professional time, your personal. Sometimes you have to give up a chunk of yourself to see someone else and their needs met. You can't always be comfortable for yourself. Jesus Christ went to the cross. But everyone needs an intervention. Everyone needs an intervention. Sometimes the intervention is before in the form of a warning. I've had the Holy Spirit do this on a number of occasions, begin to speak to someone because I could see something coming towards their life. Sometimes I could describe what it was. Other times I've told individuals, you are being followed. There's an assignment against you that's following you. And we attacked that thing and stopped it before it could manifest. Other times it's been more physical. Literally getting someone out of a situation and placing them into another place. Sending them away from a job. Oh, why, why at a job? Because there were abusers on the job. You need to get away from here. They are seeking your life. Do you understand? It's time to go. The intervention could be before the abuse. The intervention could be during the abuse. 
those girls who were in America, they had been taken for over 10 years, held captive. The, the rural Castro had them captive in his house over three years, uh, over 10 years, three girls. One moment when he went out, one of the young girls went to the screen door and began to push, and she was able to get her arm out the door and started yelling, started screaming. And a passerby heard the commotion and came over, and the two of them ripped and tore and got the door open. So for 10 years, those persons had been suffering. And in one moment, the opportunity came for them to get out. God had somebody there to do an intervention. It may be you or I. It may be next week. Someone who is already in the confines of suffering and being abused may be reaching out right now. See their arm waving. Hear them crying out. They may cry out in their behavior. And you say, why is that little boy acting so strange? Why is that little girl doing those behaviors? Investigate. Find out what's behind that. They could be crying out right now. So it may happen during the abuse. Or it may happen after the fact. The intervention may come after the fact because they are a survivor now. Mm. By the grace and the mercy of God, they lived through it. Like the young Dutch lady who was giving her testimony about being molested in the castle and molested in the church and molested by the priest and molested by her father and molested by her uncles and molested by a whole coven. And she couldn't understand. She said as she broke down many times, I don't know how I survived. And I kept saying it was the grace of God. Mm. It was the mercy of God. So you could come back and tell the story about being chained up to a waist in water with carnivorous rats in the water and how the rats began to eat on the other children who were tied to other posts. Eat one boy alive and the other boy was dead, eating their flesh. And she sat there and they never touched her. And she passed out for the horror and woke up in a recovery room. That's the grace of God. That is the grace of God, no matter what. Live to tell the tale. We've compiled a list of references. For those who are listening to the podcast, if you contact the ministry, we can send you the Child Trauma Academy. If you have the handouts, you have your PDFs, you'll see those references are there listed on your new versions. There are links. If you download the file, you should be able to click on the link. If not, copy the URL, drop it in a browser. We're still ministering, beloved. We're still in the ministry. We are fighting for survivors. We're fighting for those who are alive. We're fighting to prevent others from going into. All of those references we need to have these at our disposal. You need to open your browsers, save these pages, build a folder of just references. We talked this morning about being prepared just for another day. All the things you do to get ready. Wanna be prepared for survivors. Wanna be prepared for abuse victims. So that when God brings someone to you, you don't have to scramble to get information. You've got a list, an archive. You've got scripture, chapter, and verse. You've got directories. 
You know some professional counselors. You've got some, something that you can pull on quickly and say, I know who you can talk to. I know this group you can deal with. Do you understand? We're using the weapons of our warfare in the spirit realm, and we're also using the weapons at our disposal in the natural realm. We're using everything God has given us that by all means we may save some in the name of Jesus. And praise to our great God. Let this be a turning point in your life. Let it be a turning point in your prayer life. Let it be a turning point in your determination that you are put on this earth to do more than just absorb goods and means for yourself. We are to do war against the forces that are murdering these children and to say enough is enough in the name of Jesus. Amen.